blessing to see a great crowd here. And if you found Hebrews 6, we're going to go all the way to verses. Um, we're going to look from verse 18 down to verse 19. So we're only going to read two verses. And there's much more that we can cover. But because of time, we're just going to cover these two verses and hopefully be a blessing. Now in Brazil, I have a custom. I'm not sure if you guys do the same here. But if you, it just reminds me of home. And uh, it would just be it would just be exciting if I could see it. Um, when we read from God's word, usually we just stand and reverence for the word of God. So if you're physically able to, I would appreciate it if you could do the same um, as we read from God's word right here. Uh, just uh, Hebrews chapter six verses eighteen through nineteen, and this is just a very powerful verse, some verses, and just hopefully it's a blessing to you guys what we have to share here. All right, we're ready to go. We're all good. All right, here we go. Let's start in verse 18. It says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a refuge, uh, sorry, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. And verse 19 says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. I want you to look at with me in verses 19, and I want you to read with me verses just 19. We're going to read it all together. You ready for this? Here we go. We'll read it all together at the count of three. One, two, three. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Very good. You may be seated. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, so much for just blessing and being uh, uh, just allowing us the opportunity to be here at Community Bible Church. I thank you for all the kindness of the people that already they've been. I thank you for Pastor Miller and his family of how they've received us so well. And most of all, Lord, we're grateful for what you mean to us. Thank you, Lord, for being our hope. Thank you for giving us uh, this word where we can rely on where is the truth that stays strong despite all the twisting and the lies that surround us thank you lord that we can rely on you and that you keep us steady even when the storms get rough we love you lord thank you for just what you're doing and i just pray you'll communicate effectively through me in the short time we have just so we can be able to get something out of your word we love you lord and thank you again in the name of jesus christ amen very good. I got my microphone settled. Hopefully it's got it all there. And there we go. Here we go. Is this good? All right. Now, if I start speaking gumbo, all right, it's because I have three languages going on in my head. <laughs> and so I do speak English, but then I've got Portuguese, and then I've got Spanish going on as well. And I was speaking to someone in Spanish a little earlier today. And so it just, it just all comes coming through my head. So if I say something weird, you understand why, okay? <laughs> so just forgive me, don't worry, I didn't go all Pentecostal, I'm not trying to speak in tongues, um, I'm just, it just goes through my head sometimes, and sometimes it goes blank. All right, Hebrews 6, we saw here that there is a very key word that we find in, in Hebrews 6, and especially in verse 18 and verse 19. And if you find it, you can even underline this word. What is that word that we see there? What is that word? Help me out. What is the word that we see in those two verses? Do you know what it is? What is that word? Help me out here. Let's try it out again. What is the word? Hope. Ooh, very good. Hope. 
hope we find in verse 18. It says, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon, you can underlie it there, the hope set before us. Amen. And in verse 19 it says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure, I like those words, both sure and steadfast. Amen. You know, when I think of steadfast, I think of being secure. I think of unmovable. I think of not being able to move despite everything going against me. You are not changing places. You are in the same position. You're steadfast because you have an anchor. And so I love that, what it shows there. You know, I, something that I find here is that there is an eternal hope for a temporal world that we find here. An eternal hope for a temporal world. You know, we live in a world where everything is temporal. Now, what do I mean by the word temporal? Temporal, I mean by the word temporal is that everything is unstable. Everything doesn't last forever in this life. If you look in this life and if you base your dependence, your hope in this life alone, the Bible very clearly says it, you're the most miserable people. We are the most miserable people if we put our hope in this life alone. Why? Because he says that this world, this life is very temporal. It doesn't last very long. You know, we can put all of our plans and we can think, man, I have this life just looking forward to. And you know, we can think, you may be 18, you may be 15, you may be 11, you may be 20, you may be 50, you may be 80. It doesn't matter what age you may be. You can think, I have a whole life stretched out before me and life looks like an amazing thing. But you know, life can be like in a flash and it's gone just like that because life is that short. It doesn't last that long because life goes out like a flicker. Life is very short. Life is very temporal. And the only thing that's going to remain, it's whatever is goes into eternity. You know, it's like I said, I mentioned how life, my life and life is a lot like a coin. You have a life of value to God, but the truth is you only have one life. It's a life of value, but whatever you invest this life in, the coin of your life in, you're never ever going to be able to get it back. So you better make it count. You know, the Bible very clearly says in the book of James that what is your life? It is but even a vapor that is here for a moment and then it's gone. Have you ever seen a vapor happen before? A vapor sometimes if it, if it glistens in the light the right way, it can give off a flash. It can even look like something beautiful. Kind of like a bubble. You know, you can put all your plans on a piece of paper and you can say, this is what I have going for me. This is what I've already built for myself. This is all that I have to look forward to. This is exciting. Look at all that I have to look forward to. But you know, life is so fragile like a piece of paper. And if we put our hope in what is on this life alone and everything in this earth, you know what, we're gonna see very clearly that our life will go out just like that. Because life is short and it's fragile and it's not temporal. So the Bible says very clearly, what is this hope that we see very clearly expressed in Hebrew? It's, he's referring to this hope as an anchor of the soul. He's referring to this hope as something that keeps you steady and steadfast. What is this hope he's talking about here? Well, we know very clearly that hope that they're talking about here is the hope that you'll only find in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the fountain of eternal right. hope. And you know what the truth is, is that Jesus Christ is the eternal hope 
for a temporal world. You know, we're all looking for something in this life that will last forever. But the only thing that will truly last forever is whatever is in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is eternal and He'll last forever. He will go beyond any political party. He will last beyond the, the, the sands of time. He will last beyond our lifespan because Jesus Christ is eternal. And whatever we do for Him and invest in His work, it's eternal and it's done for eternity and it's worth it. It is what it truly means for this life. You know, that's what we're trying to share when we're down in Brazil. We're trying to bring an eternal hope to them for, some, for the temporal world. We're trying to show, share with them that Jesus Christ is their eternal hope. And you know, Jesus Christ is their eternal hope. And you know, there's some three different hopes that we receive that we find when we put our hope in Jesus Christ alone. There's some three different hopes that we find. I want you to look with me the first hope that we find when we put our hope in Christ alone. In Hebrews 6, and in verses 18, at the very end of verse 18, it says, Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. And in verse 19, I love it, it says, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. You know, when we put our hope in Jesus Christ alone, we're going to first find that we're going to find a hope of eternal security. The hope of eternal security. How many want to feel secure tonight? How many want to feel secure? How many long to feel secure? You know, I remember when I was a little kid, I always longed that security that I could receive from my parents. I remember a couple times when I would get lost. I remember I was in a shopping mall once down in Brazil, and I'm a, I was a little boy who gets really easily distracted, and I still get easily distracted. I mean, if I see a squirrel, I'm looking right there. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, see something bright and colorful, I'm just looking. You know, you can ask my wife, it's very hard for me to focus on one thing because I get very easily distracted. So it didn't change when I was a kid, and so I would get easily distracted, especially being inside a shopping mall and just looking around at all the stuff. And I remember I was in this mall, and when I looked, my parents weren't there. So I panicked, and I ran all over the place. I was crying, I was wailing, and he was gnashing of teeth. It was just horrible, you know. And finally, I see my dad just walking after, it seemed like hours, and it was really just maybe 10 minutes. And he's walking down, and he's just walking down nice and slow, and he sees me like, Dad, <laughs> I found you. And he's like, what are you crying about, man? I was like, I got it. And he just grabbed me and hugged me, and then he's like, come on, you know. I was like, where's mom? Are they all crying? Are they waiting for me? He's like, no, they're in the bookstore checking out books. You know? I was like, well, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm glad I missed, you know. Well, you know, I panicked that moment, but the moment I saw my dad, it brought so much of the security in me, and I knew I was found. I felt secure again. I felt safe. You know, we all long for that safety, for that security in life. You know, that's why people get insurance. That's why people put savings accounts. Because we all want to find certain safety and security in life. And there's nothing wrong in being able to get ready and trying to lay up and trying to be prepared for secure. But you know what? The truth is, is that when we find and put our hope in Jesus Christ, we're going to find an eternal security, the hope of eternal security that will last forever. What is the first security you're going to find? You're going to find security of salvation. The security of salvation. Now, I believe that most of us in here have put their faith 
in Jesus Christ for the salvation of their sins. But you know what? If you've never done that, if we've never done that, then you know what? We don't have that sec eternal security of the soul. I remember when I was 12 years old, I grew up in a Christian home all of my life. And you know, my whole life growing up in a Christian home, I was convinced that I, my soul was eternally secure in Christ. And you know how I was convinced of that? I thought because my parents, my daddy was the preacher, my mom was my Sunday school teacher, and so, and I was really involved in my local church. I would play piano, I, you know, I would help out with the kids' church, you know, I would, you know, once in a while misbehave, but I mean, I, I was a pretty good kid, you know. You know, I would sit up front, always get the quiet seat prizes. You know, I was just a pretty good kid. That definitely guaranteed me the eternal security of my soul. But you know what the truth is? Is that when I started realizing in the Bible, I realized that my good stuff did not guarantee me a place in heaven with God. My parents could not save me from my sin. The decision had to be mine, and it was between me and God alone. It was that point when I realized, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I realized that I had a life, that my life wasn't eternally saved. I wasn't saved. I wasn't guaranteed salvation. I didn't have that salvation for my sins. And therefore, I was not going to be able to go and live in heaven with God forever. Because I wasn't saved from my sins. It was a lot like my rope here. You know, my rope, my life is a lot like this rope. And it had a beginning and it had an end. And you know what? At one point, I thought I was going to be able to have a place in God in heaven because of all the good stuff I did. But you know what the truth is? is the Bible showed very clearly that there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that doeth good. You know, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, sin passed upon all men. You know, the, the truth is that I had a problem. It was a not problem. I had the problem of sin in my life. And you know, sin separated me from God. And the truth was, is that I, my soul, was not eternally secure in Him. I was not saved from my sin. So I thought, well, <laughs> I know I'm not saved from my sin. So, but you know what? I know, I know this. Here's what I'm going to do. I am going to, uh, I know, I'll give a lot of money to my local church. And, you know, at the time, I didn't have a lot of money at 12 years old, you know, so $5 is a big, big deal for me. But, you know, if I give enough money in the offering, that will guarantee me a place in heaven with God. And, you know, a lot of times people think that, you know, giving good stuff and giving a lot of money to your local church and giving money even to your local pastor and taking them out to eat, you know, I'm sure they won't complain. You know, all this stuff is some great stuff. But you know what? The truth is, is that as hard as I tried to give as much money and thought I could have all the riches, I could be the richest man on earth. And you know what the truth was? It still did not guarantee me salvation for my sins. It did not give me eternal security. It did not give me the security of my soul. Well, I thought, well, if I can't um, find salvation through riches, well, I know, good stuff. That's going to do it. I know the good stuff is going to do it. And you know, so I tried harder. I tried to behave better. I tried to be, be a good person. In fact, the people in Brazil actually believe that because I was born in a Christian home, I was actually born saved from my sins. They actually believed that. They thought that you know, holiness ran through the, our, our veins. You know? And I inherited it from my parents. You know, that is until I started misbehaving and started playing pranks in church. And then they realized I wasn't that holy as, I, as they thought. But you know, all the good stuff I did, man, I mean, it was great stuff. But you know, as hard as I tried, you know, I could not guarantee the eternal security. My eternal security 
could not be found in the good stuff I did. The Bible very clearly says, for by of grace are you saved, not of works. Well, I know, if I have a special and important position, a title, that will guarantee me the salvation for my sins. That is where I can find eternal security. And you know, we have people all over that think that their position will guarantee them a place in heaven with God. I've met even pastors who thought they were safe from their sin and they never were. I've met a missionaries who were ministering in Brazil all their life and they thought they were safe from their sins, but they never were. They're putting their eternal security on the title, on the importance, on how people accepted them, how they were liked. You know, that's why it's so hard sometimes when you even hear these celebrities accepting God because they put so much dependence on how they're accepted by the world. And you know what? I just put so much importance on how I was accepted. You know what? My eternal security was on how people accepted me. If I'm important enough, if I look good enough, I will be accepted. That's where I find my eternal security. But you know what? No matter how hard I tried, I eventually realized that that could not save me from my sin. You know, the harder I tried, the harder I tried to be good, the more I tried to do better, the more it got worse. Because you know, sin shortens one life, and one sin always leads to the next sin. And you know what? I realized that there is no way I could be saved, except through one person. And his name is Jesus Christ. It was when I realized that Jesus Christ, the hope of, was the hope of my eternal security, he could give me the eternal security of my soul. And it's when I gave over to him and said, you know, Lord, I believe in you by faith that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again and that you alone can save me from my sins. When I believed in that and that fact and realized He is the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by Him, it was at that moment that Jesus Christ came and gave me direct access to God and He saved me from my sin. He gave me eternal security. And you know what? The moment I was saved from my sin, I was placed in the hands of God. You know, I was placed in the hands of God and you know what? Not only that, but then He gave me a brand new heart. And that new heart now is secure in Him. And you know what? People can come and try to convince me. Satan can try to feed me these lies. And he can do everything. But no man, as the book of John says, can pluck me out of the hands of God. Amen. Because I'm forever secure in Him. Right. I cannot lose that salvation. I cannot lose that salvation for my sins. I am secure in Him forever. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I know that when I die, I will die saved from my sins and I have a place in heaven with Him forever because I have the hope in Him of my eternal security. You know, Jesus Christ brings the security of salvation. But not only that, He brings us the security of preservation. That is where we have the hope that not only can we have our hope and realize that we have a security to be saved from our sins, but also, we, not only are we saved, but then He can also keep us secure in salvation. We are preserved by Him. We're preserved forever by Him, and we can find that security in Him. It's just like we see, as you see in verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 6, it says, which hope we have as a what? As in, what does it say there? Anchor. Can you picture an anchor with me right now? An anchor. Something sturdy, something heavy. When a ship comes to dock, and they're about to... to to stop at a certain part, they throw in that anchor, and that anchor will lodge usually upon a rock, a stone, something underneath, something strong and sturdy enough to hold that ship in place. 
And when the, the waves come, it will rock that boat back and forth. But as long as that anchor is secure to it, it's not going anywhere. And you know what? When I have my hope in Christ, I have the hope of eternal security. And not only have the security of salvation for my sins, but then I have the security that I am preserved as well. I am preserved in Him. And I have a security, an anchor, strong in Him. And that is the peace that He can give me despite the storms that swirl about me. There is a competition once of the, some of the most famous painters in the world. And they all came together for this huge congress, this huge competition. And they all brought these paintings and there was a theme that they had to paint. The theme was peace. What does it mean to peace? What was their version of peace? And so many of them painted different versions. And they entered into the contest and they put it on display for the thousands of people and people came to see different artists' versions or the ways they express of what they believe peace was. But there was only one painting that took the first prize, the number one prize took first place. And it was a unique painting. There was paintings of you know, beautiful sunsets and there's paintings of rainbows and there's paintings of happy people. But there was one painting that took the number one prize. And it was this painting of this storm, this raging storm with, with, with lightning all over the place and heavy rains and high and, and waves as high as, as towers. And, and it was just, it was just, a, it was a chaotic scene. But in the center of that storm was a small little rock. And in that rock was a small little cave. And in that cave was this mother bird with her little baby, baby, uh, the little babies underneath her wings as she, they slept silently in the nest while the storm was raging around them. And it just showed very clearly that as long as those little babies were underneath the wings of its mother, they were secure and can sleep through any storm. They were at peace. And you know what? Christ did not promise us that we will not have storms in our life, but He does promise that He'll give us, He'll preserve us, and give us peace despite the storms that swirl around us. We have the hope of preservation. Amen. That is a hope we can find. But look with me, second of all, what is the second hope that we'll find? If you're with me, say amen. amen. Don't fall asleep yet. And if you do, don't snore too loud, all right? Look at me real quickly. The second thing we find. You know, first of all, we'll find that when I put my hope in Christ, the eternal hope for a temporal world, you know what I'm going to find? I'm going to find the hope of eternal security. And I'm going to find that security of salvation. And I'm going to find that security of preservation. But look at me, the second hope you're going to find. I'm going to find a hope. When I put my hope in Christ, the eternal hope, I find a hope of eternal satisfaction satisfaction. When I think of satisfaction, I always think of food. <laughs> it brings me a good picture of it. Today we went out with Pastor Stephen and his wife and we went out and had, we went to Perkins, is that right? And we had some good old food. And you know, I just wanted to go all American so I got a cheeseburger, classic cheeseburger, some french fries and got a slice of pie. And oh man, after I was done, my stomach was satisfied. <laughs> I was good. I was content. And when I got home, I was ready to take the longest nap of my life because I just felt so relaxed. It's so good. You know, it's so good to feel satisfied. You know, when I think of satisfaction, I think of a cup that you fill with water and you fill it so much that it's overflowing and it's spreading all around. And that is the hope. That's what we find in Jesus Christ. When you put your hope in Jesus Christ, 
the eternal hope, you're going to find eternal satisfaction. You're going to find a heart that is overwhelming with so much contentment that's going to spread and affect all those around us. Like I said, when I was 12, I had never put my faith in, Christ, in Jesus Christ. So when I asked Jesus Christ to save me from my sin, you know what happened? He completed my life. He made my life complete and whole, and He filled in what I knew was missing all along. I had tried to fill that in with relationships. I had tried to fill that in with other people. I had tried to fill it in with my good stuff or with riches, but nothing could completely satisfy me. Yeah. It was only Christ that could give me complete satisfaction. You know, Christ is the completer of incomplete lives. And He can complete your life today too. You know, it's very easy because in my Christian life, I can be sure and know that I am saved from my sin. But you know, there's points in my life when I take my eyes off of Christ, put my eyes on everything that's temporal around me, and I start becoming discontented with who God is. Discontented with myself. And then that fountain of unlimited joy that was overflowing begins to dry up because I begin to compare my life to the temporal world and become discontented with Him. And I forget that He alone is the one who completes me. Amen. Did you ever wonder why God allows people, Christians, servants of God, to go through hard times in their life? It's at times, it's so that he, they, they can realize that their only dependence and security is going to come from Him. It's to drive them to depend on Him and to find completion, satisfaction in Him alone. Look with me real quick in Psalm 73. And we're not going to read this whole psalm. But Psalm 73 shares something really special. What the psalmist is giving here a perspective on life. He makes it very clear of a perspective on life. A perspective of what I call eternity. In verse 3 of Psalm 73, it says here... He, he, he's talking about, first of all, he talks about how God is truly good. But then he says in verse 3, he says, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So you see here, he become, he's dissatisfied. When you start looking around, did you ever get to this point? I get to this point sometimes. When I look around, I start thinking, man, it seems like people who are not Christians, people who don't put their trust in Christ, they seem to be so much more successful than I am. I mean, why would I want to live a life of faith? Why do I have to live this life of surrender and sacrifice? It seems like they're doing so much better. My dad's side of the family, they're all very successful, and most of them are not saved. My dad was the first in his family to get saved, and all of his family were Roman Catholics. They all lived down in Oklahoma. And you know, I used to look at my aunts and uncles and my cousins, and they're all just very successful. I have beauty, beautiful houses, big houses. I mean, they just had a lot going for them. And I would look at that, and I would think, you know, we're living down in Brazil, our, 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 we're not, it's not always, it doesn't seem always, our tomorrow has never seemed to be guaranteed. We're living this life of faith. We don't have all that they have. Did we really make the right choice? Did we really make, make the right decision? And you know, oftentimes, like the psalmist here did, I can become envious. I begin to start looking. I start becoming dissatisfied with God's will. And you know, then in verse 4 to 11, we see here how he starts beginning to talk and compare and he starts looking, he starts seeing, and it seems like everyone else's life is so much better than his. You know one of the easiest places that I can become dissatisfied is often when I get on social media. Now, I have nothing wrong against social media. We use social media to even show our ministry. But you know what? Sometimes, I'm not careful. I start getting on social media, 
And I began, when I started surfing through other people's pages and profiles, and everyone else's life looks so much more beautiful and glamorous than mine. I mean, you'll see someone, they'll post a picture, and you know, they're saying, you know, having my time with God, and they have their Bible open on a beach in the Bahamas, you know? And I'm like, my time with God is in the kitchen with a sink full of dirty dishes, you know? You know, I'm not going to post that. You know, it, it looks so much more glamorous, their life, even their spiritual life. You know, sometimes I can start looking at other people's life, and it looks so much better. That ministry looks so much better. That person looks so much more spiritual. They look so much more talented. Oh, they got so much more beautiful houses. Oh, they get to travel to all these places. Oh, they look, I mean, look at the filters into their face. I mean, they look like, you know, all this stuff. And I just begin to think, wow, my life is pretty, you know, junky. It, it, it's pretty stinky when I think of my life. You know, it's exactly what the psalmist was doing. He was comparing his life to others, and it looked so much better. The grass looks so much greener on the other side. But then you look in verse 17, I love this verse. It says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I what? Their end. He understood where their hope really was based on and where it really was leading to. That's where he got a true perspective of eternity. And then you see in verses 22, he says, So foolish was I, ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. I was blind. I was jealous. What was I jealous for? And you see in verse 23 to 25, you see where he puts his true value. He says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by thy, my right hand. He's talking about the Lord, his relation with God. And then he says in verse 24, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel after receiving the glory. Who am I have I in heaven but thee? Verse 25. And there is none upon earth that I desire beside Thee. And he says in verse 26, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart. Amen. And look at this, what it says here. It says, And my portion, not just for this life, but forever. Good. He's talking about an eternal satisfaction. Amen. You know why the children of Israel, what was their greatest sin? Their greatest sin wasn't complaining. Their greatest sin was ingratitude. And why was that such a terrible sin? Because ingratitude is where you deny the Lord as a sole provider of your joy and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And we begin to try to find our joy and satisfaction in anything and anyone apart from God. That's why churches split. Because a church, when it begins to put its focus on the activities and on what is better for them and what is good for them and what concerns them other than putting their hope in Christ it falls apart in my life when I begin to get frustrated and become to get discontent with God's will is because at some point in some area I begin to put my hope for a satisfaction in someone or something that is temporal apart from God and then I'm gonna find pretty much pretty soon I'm gonna hit a brick wall you know Christ gives us the hope of eternal satisfaction I remember when I was in the Amazon jungle, we went and visited the house of this fisherman. And he was a sweet guy. He lived in a very simple wooden house. And in this house, he had hardly any furniture. He had a hammock that he slept on. And then he had a little, it looked like a wash basin where he did all his dishes. And he invited us for lunch. And there's about 10 of us guys. And when we walked in, he had only one plate, one fork, and one cup. And he wanted to make lunch for all of us. So he was cooking fish, but he had only one plate, one cup, 
and one four. And we're thinking, there's 10 of us, how are we gonna do this? Well, we just took turns. So one of us would sit and eat, and then we would wash our plate and cup, and then pass it on to the next person. And it took a long process, that was a very long lunch. But eventually, each one of us got through it. And you know, it's amazing, the whole time as we were doing it, that fisherman, he's sitting there at his window, and he's just watching us, and he's smiling the whole time. And he was just so happy. And here's the kind of the funny thing. I mean, it was kind of sad, but it was, it was cute in a way, because as he would smile, he, I don't know what happened, but he was missing his front teeth. So here, fine, yeah, yeah, the whole time. <laughs> you know, and it, it, but he was the happiest guy on earth, you could see. And he was just smiling there without his front teeth. And we're there eating. And finally, as we're nearing the end of our meal, he says, you know, I'm the happiest guy on earth. And I looked around, and I was like, I thought to myself, <laughs> did you look around lately? How can you be happy? And he said, you know, a few years ago, there was a man, he was a pastor. His name was Moses, and he came here on a boat, and he shared with me about the good news of Jesus Christ. And when I asked Jesus Christ to save me from my sin, I felt so happy and so content. I, I can die happy right now. I feel so at peace. You know, a few months later, I was down in the city of Sao Paulo with my dad. And there in Sao Paulo, we had the opportunity to visit the house of this very famous soccer player down in Brazil. He's a legend, and they love him, and he's still alive today. His name is Pele. And Pele, we went to go visit his house, and he lived in a, he had several houses, but one of his was an apartment, a two-story apartment on the very top of a building. It was a penthouse. And we get to the very top, and we walk in, and right before we walked in, my dad said, you know, when you walk in, you don't touch a thing. So I walked in like a penguin, you know, just completely stiff, afraid to touch anything. And we walk into this beautiful, I, I called it a house on the top of the building, because it, it couldn't even be considered an apartment. And I walked in, there was a chandelier right there, you know, beautiful uh, piano right there. The, you know, the, the seats were just, you know, uh, layered with gold. And I mean, it was just a gorgeous place. And we walked in and Pele, unfortunately, had just left. He went with his driver and they had to go out. But we had lunch with his wife and his mother-in-law at the time. So we sat down and they served us a meal and guess what they served? They served us fish. And so they serve it, but it was a very fancy prepared fish. And, you know, we're eating and we're enjoying ourselves and we're talking. As we're talking with his wife, she starts sharing with us of how she believed Pele needed prayer. And we're asking why. And she said, you know, Pele, he just is so sad these days and depressed. And we're asking why. And she shared how his son was just dealing with, with drugs and, you know, was in jail because of it. And it was just, you know, it was a terrible thing. And we're able to leave uh, some literature and some tracts so that she could get to Pele and hopefully share that. But you know, as I looked around, I thought, how can this man, the most famous man in Brazil, a soccer legend, how could he be a man that was so depressed? And then it re reflected back to the fisherman in the Amazon. You know, the truth was very simple and the difference was very clear. One had Christ and the other didn't. One recognized that Christ, as his eternal satisfaction, completed his life. And he didn't have those chandeliers and, you know, gold-layered seats. But he had Christ. Amen. And that was enough. And the other had the world at his feet. But because he had not Christ, he was depressed and empty. You know, Christ brings us eternal satisfaction. That's right. And, you know, we cannot find in anyone anything except in him.
But look with me last, and we'll finish up tonight, because we've already gone enough over time. But look with me, the third thing that we find when we put our hope in Christ. And this, you can share with others too. Here's what we can find when we put our hope in Christ. We'll find, first of all, when I put my hope in Christ, I'll find the hope of eternal security. I'll find also the hope of eternal satisfaction. But then last of all, when I put my hope in Christ, I find the hope of an eternal sanctuary. Mm. And that place is called heaven. Amen. The eternal sanctuary. You know, if I die today, or if COVID gets me, it doesn't matter. Or even if I die from the vaccine, a reaction it, I know I have a place in heaven with God. Yeah. I have a hope of an eternal sanctuary in Him. Amen. You know why that's so important? Because you know at times in life, life can get really hard and vicious sometimes. And it can get pretty heavy. And it can get pretty sad. But you know what? When life just weighs me down, all I have to do is look up and remember that I have a place in heaven with Him. I have the hope that He's prepared a place for me. And that I do not have to fear what happens in this life alone. Because I have a place in heaven with Him. I remember there is, we were at a funeral once. There was two different funerals we had gone to. But one of the funerals that we had gone was a funeral of this, of this uh, a relative of a family in our church. And, you know, he was dealing with a lot of illegal stuff. And eventually he got into a gang fight and he was killed. You know, and they, you know, they found him dead. And so we went to the funeral just to be there, to be a blessing. But I remember being at that funeral and the despair was just thick in the air. You could feel it all around. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there was just this wailing and crying. The minute they were going to put down his uh, casket into the ground, I mean, the mother of the, the, the young man, she just... She, just, she was struggling for it and trying to throw herself into the, into the, into the, on top of the casket and just grab a hold of it because she didn't want to let go of the body of her son. It was just despairing. It was sad. It was tragic. It was horrible. I, I mean, I hated it. I couldn't wait to leave. It felt hopeless. I remember a little while later, there's a couple in our church that they had been praying for so long for the Lord to give them a little baby boy. And I remember they were praying and finally the Lord gave him a little baby. She was pregnant and they were so excited. His name was, they were going to uh, call his name Josue. And Josue, you know, it just, it just seemed like a precious gift. And they began to go through the process of the pregnancy. And one day they were visiting the doctors and they, she did an ultrasound. And the doctor said, told her, said, listen, we've got some bad news for you. And they said, what is it? And they said, well... We found that your little boy, he will be born, but there's going to be some complications and he may not be able to walk ever. And the doctor even suggested in aborting the baby. Well, the couple, you know, they said, we believe God gave that baby as a gift and we're going to go through with it all the way. Well, they went through the pregnancy and finally the day came when she went into labor and was going to go deliver the baby and we're all excited when we at home to hear the news of little Josue being born. We got the news, phone call early in the morning that Josue was born and we were so excited. You know, we couldn't wait to go to the hospital to go see him. A couple hours later, we got another phone call. And they told us that Josue had passed. He didn't survive. He died. Mm -hmm. There in funerals there in Brazil are immediate 
they have to bury the body immediately. So we had to do the funeral immediately the next day. His mother had to stay in the hospital due to some complications. So she had to stay and we're going to live stream the funeral service for her. But the father was there. We decided to have the funeral at our church. I remember walking inside the church. I saw that little casket sitting right up front. I looked into the casket, the little Josue's face, and he, he seemed like he was sleeping, such at peace. Just seemed like a little baby doll. Hundreds of people showed up for that funeral. And you know, despite the tragic, the sadness of losing such a young life, you could feel a sweetness in the air. And as we were singing and praising God, and singing this out, you could feel a certain amount of hope. I remember as we went to, to bury little Josue, I remember watching his father carrying that casket, and I think to myself, I thought, no father should have to bury his own son. And finally, he put that little boy, and they put him in the ground, and they covered it. And right before I left, I walked up to the father. His name was Carlos. And I said, Carlos, I'm so sorry. And I said, how, how can you manage? I'm sure it hurts a lot for you. And he looked at me. He was just crying. He said, you know, Seth, words fail me. But the grace of God sustains me. Mm. And then I saw it. I saw in his face that he had a hope. And that one day, you'd see his boy again. You know, that hope is what we have. There's a hope of the eternal sanctuary. And that hope we find in Jesus Christ. Amen. And you know, when life gets tough, and we get frustrated, and sometimes it just seems like easier to give up, you know, I, all I have to do is look up to him and know that I have an eternal sanctuary. Amen. Secure in him. Right. You know, the world doesn't have that. That's why they're panicking over something like COVID. Mm. But me, as a child of God, I have a hope in Him. Amen. I don't need a panic because I know that I will go up to Him one day. That's the hope that Christ brings. Amen. And that's the hope that's forever that we can bring to a world that will not last forever. Amen. It's a hope of eternal security, the hope of eternal satisfaction, and the hope of eternal sanctuary. That's what we can bring. And that's what we can find in Him. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank You so much that, Lord, You are our eternal hope. We know that. That's why we're here at church today. But, Lord, how many times do I get, I, I get forgetful of that? How many times, Lord, do I lose focus? I take my eyes off of You and I focus more on the circumstances of life around me. I focus on the news. I get focused on other people. And I just, it, sometimes it gets very discouraging. And sometimes it, it feels pretty hopeless. And Lord, at times, I even forget to share with other people that hope. But Lord, thank you for reminding me here in your word that we can find an eternal hope in you. And Lord, may we not only bring, bring our focus back to that but then allow us to be able to share that with others too. Because that is the true solution. There's not going to be any humanitarian effort, no political party. Nothing is going to solve the world's problems except you. 
Mm. And Lord, may we be faithful in sharing that hope, even if it's through just a gospel track. May we be faithful in sharing that with others. Thank you for Pastor Miller and his church. Thank you for just the kindness that they have shared and showed me and my wife. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here. We love you, Lord. We know that we're here because of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.